0: promotional consideration paid for by the following stevie join the srf resistance today Russo'sBrand.com. get the real shoot from the most controversial personality in wrestling vince russo lethal vendetta Hailing from Sydney, Australia, this band comes armed with the ultimate artillery, a precise and highly effective blend of thrash, groove, and traditional metal which pays homage to the great metal titans that have come before them. Check out lethalvandetta.bigcartel.com and download their music on all digital media outlets.
1: The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. This Thursday, October 31st, 2019, and you are tuned into to HTM Sports, presented by the HTM Podcast Network Online, HittingTheMarks.com, and HackerHameen.Podbean.com, Hameen Media. My name is Jargo, I'll be your host for the day, that's my tag team partner, he's the man, the myth, the legend, the real RBV.
0: Rick, welcome back to your show. It's me, it's me! It's that order of Feed to be back again, hashtag HTM Sports. Jargo, I, I know, it is starting the temperatures are starting to dip here in Ohio. You are already dealing with this Arctic chill, but it's cold outside. But man, we have got a hot show today. So much going on from around the world of professional sports. Man, I can't. Really, I can't wait to dive into this thing.
1: Five and a half inches of snow on Halloween. Absolutely absurd. Absolutely absurd. I, I, I already hate moving snow for the year. That's twice
0: already. I've had to move snow. Well, I've got to say, you know, you got, you guys got the snowfall. Uh, We are in the middle of freezing rain, it is windy as hell here in Ohio, and I just got a feel for all these kids in the Midwest that are out there, they're trying to get theirs. This is one of the happiest times of the year for them, Uh, they want to fill up their sacks with as much candy as they can, and and that damn mother nature, just just sticking it to them.
1: Lots of trick or treat going on, and and we had a treat last night, Huckleberry, Game 7, World Series, four of the greatest words in sports. The Washington Nationals claiming their first ever World Series championship 6-2 to over the Houston Astros. Rick, in case you haven't heard, this is the first time that a road team has won every game in all of the major sports. Um, I, I think I've only heard that stat like 846 times since uh, Monday. Uh, Rick, this might be the craziest World Series in recent memory.
0: I was going to say, you know, they keep throwing that stat out there. I mean, but it's with good reason. I mean, it is pretty incredible. This is the first time that this has ever happened. Home field advantage, absolutely useless. Not just baseball,
1: basketball,
0: hockey, anything with a seven-game
1: series. First time this has ever happened.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Out of, you know, those three of the big four there where they had the seven-game series, uh, just remarkable that this thing, how this thing unfolded. And we got to take, you know, you got to tip the cat, to the, to the Washington, to the Nationals there. I mean, these guys were dead in the water back in the spring. People were already writing them off. 19 and 31. It, they were 19 and 31 in May. And they continued, man. They continued to fight. They, they clawed. They scratched everything they could do. Uh, they were not going down without a fight. They were written off. You know, even in the postseason, how, how is this team going to survive without Bryce Harper? And now they are the ones with the last laugh. They are holding the trophy. Uh, they took care of business. They and they went through some incredible competition. Some you know teams that you know we were talking about. Maybe they were you know the best assembled teams of the past decade or so in the Dodgers, in the Astros. And this team came in. They they were fighters all year. They, they had that mentality. I mean, it was them versus the world. They had to fight to get into the playoffs. They were swinging like hell to get through the NL, and they didn't let up going into this World Series. They were not going to back down from anyone.
1: And then they get into the World Series, and they let the arms just absolutely take over. Steven Strasburg, your MVP. Rick, this kid went 5-0 with a 1.98 ERA, six appearances this October. Absolutely incredible stuff from Steven Strasburg. He gave him eight and a third innings the other night. Only gives up five hits, two runs, strikes out seven. Rick, Strasburg did something even bigger than that. He gave the Nationals an opportunity to rest that bullpen going into Game 7. That's why I
0: was all in on Washington last night. Well, you know, we regularly talk about You know, the financials, if it be in baseball, hockey, basketball, football, whatever it's going to be, and where you're going to spend that big money, who those marquee players should be. And in baseball, we've seen these incredibly large contracts, these insane contracts going to these position players where really you should be investing in arms like this. This is what gets it done down the stretch for you. A ace like this, a Haas like Straussberg, an absolutely Earned that MVP, earned those honors, because he's the one that delivered this championship for the Nationals.
1: On the other side, um, a couple of guys I want to talk about. Uh, Number one, Justin Verlander. Justin Verlander threw in game six, went five innings, gave up five hits, three earned runs, three strikeouts. But, Rick, the stat is so alarming to me because I know and you know and anybody who knows who Justin Verlander is knows he is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. He is now 0-6 with a 5.68 ERA and seven starts in the World Series. Now, granted, this goes all the way back to when he was a younger guy in Detroit. This isn't all in Houston. Why
0: can't Verlander throw in the World Series? I'm I'm just baffled by this. You know, it's one of those, it's that boulder on his shoulders. He just can't seem to shake that. I mean, you want this guy, you're looking, you're talking about big, big game pitchers. You know, anytime through, you know, through early April, late March, early April, through the pennant, I mean, that's who you want to take the mound. I mean, he's in your conversation. He's in your top three. Whatever reason, when you get to the World Series, it just doesn't, doesn't seem to click right there. And I said it's going to be a boulder on his shoulders. And that's going to be something that's going to talk about him. You know, where are his places amongst the greats? You know, that he kind of buckle under this pressure.
1: The other one that has me greatly intrigued right now is Garrett Cole. Uh, Garrett Cole is now a free agent. He was even asked after the game last night what his thoughts were on the game. Obviously, he didn't pitch in the game. And he was like, I'm no longer an employee of the team, so I'm not answering any questions. He's now a free agent. Is this Houston team going to get blown up? Was this the end of this dominant run for the Houston Astros? Because I don't see any way they can keep all those arms inside of, of Houston
0: right now. Well, it, this could be a retooling of sorts. And maybe you do see somebody like that, you know, go the wayside to make room for a younger town here. You got to believe that this, this franchise, they took those couple of years when they, right when they knew, you know, when they were leaving the NL, they were making the jump to the AL, you know, they kind of went into, um, you know, that restock mode. Let's get an inventory built back up. I know they have some depth there in their minor league system. Uh, maybe they can find some money, you know, maybe the, the ownership will open some things up They. will uh, they won't be so, you know, bothered by that luxury tax that they can keep this team intact. And I think, you know, the answer we got there in the post game, as you said, I'm no longer employed as this team. Uh, I don't want to talk about it. That could be some frustrations as well. And and you don't want to give too much away. You know, you got your agent right there saying, "Hey, you know, this is what you're going to get here. We need to go start playing hardball." And you add into the frustrations that, you know, that you just gave away the World Series.
1: The thing that bugged me about that is why is the media even asking him questions? He didn't play. Why, why are you asking him about
0: Game 7 when he didn't even play in the freaking game? And, and that might lend towards, you know, his his answer as well. Kind of like, dude, get out of here with that. But, you know, that's that's right. the job of some of the press. They feel they need to, to kind of press those issues. But, of no course, all we
1: hear is the response. We, 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 we never hear the question, you know, it, th- this wasn't just Garrett Cole going into business for himself. Somebody asked him a stupid question. He gave him yeah. a stupid answer. Yeah.
0: And it's not like he's going and seeking a microphone. This is someone trying to, you know, to stir the pot, get some kind of scoop going, get some, you know, create some tension, trying to get their name out there. I mean, it's, it's a clickbait, you know, it's you know, like we see with so much with the dirt sheet writers and professional wrestling, you know, they're not comparable you know, to those to the real journalists, you know, like that we're involved with over at the dot Last word on pro wrestling, where that you know they're actually giving you some substance. They're giving you something you can truly use to educate yourself on an issue. I mean, this guy's just absolute clickbait, and he got his answer here, and they're running with this clip.
1: You know, ironically, that was not the only game last night that was Houston versus Washington. Did you see that NBA score between the, the Wizards
0: and the Rockets? My God, 159 to 158? I, I got to say, you know, shout out to our boy Big Ray Hernandez with the Hameen Media Group. I'm with him 100%. Uh, as he, he just posted here online on Facebook. Uh, he said he, you know, raised his hand to the, to the good Lord there and said when he saw that, he thought it was like a video game score, and I did the exact same thing. I had to double take, like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, what happened here?" What looked at the box score, I mean, this was—I mean, this was something that made that makes the the NBA All Star game look legitimate.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll talk a bit more about the train wreck that is the Houston Rockets here in a little bit when we get to the NBA. Uh, Got to stay inside of the world of baseball. Want your opinion on this one, Huckleberry? David Ross. Hired as the new manager of the Chicago Cubs, I've reached out to some of my Cubs fans' friends, and I'm like, so how do you feel about this? And the general consensus that I am getting from the Cubs faithful is this is just a powder keg waiting to explode. Uh Obviously, David Ross has not been out of the game that long. He's only been out of the game for a couple of years. He uh, retired when the Cubs won that World Series. And then he immediately went to work inside of the Cubs' front office. So there's a lot of people that are viewing this as David Ross is going to be an extension of Theo. And I don't think that's the case. Because David Ross strikes me as a pretty straight-up kind of guy. And I have this feeling that Theo is going to think... Ross is working for him, and Ross is going to be working for the players. Things seem like a powder keg for the Cubs right now,
0: just waiting to blow up in their faces. Uh, it, it's going to be an interesting dynamic. You know, maybe they do realize this. And this is why that Ross is put in this position that he can't be a, a strong, solid middleman. I mean, he is going to be a player's manager. I mean, oh, he, like you said, you know, he's not that far removed from it. You know, he was he shared the field with some of these guys that he's going to be managing now. Um, and he's been a journeyman. He knows different systems. We had him here for a couple of years in Cincinnati, and, he, and he's been around, and so he, you know, had that great success in Chicago. Uh, you know, I look to. What would I mean, it's comparable? You know, a lot of people made the, the same suggestions when Boone was picked up by the Yankees. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, was it was it too soon to thrust him into a position like this? We got some ESPN updates. I don't think it's about anything, but uh, but is it too soon? And I and I know that. It seems to be like it's one way or the other here with this. People are absolutely in with it or they're absolutely against it. Uh, to me, I think they're bringing him in here to really help. As you're talking about, could this thing explode? Or is this just, is the volcano waiting to erupt? I think this could be here to prevent that.
1: I could absolutely see this being a morale boost for that locker room without any well, question. And, and,
0: and then with he's not that far removed from the locker room. He's been in the office. I think he could be that bridge that is needed to get the Cubs back on track uh, to where they want to be, you know, as a strong contender in the postseason.
1: One positive about the David Ross hire of all the positions inside of baseball as a player. I think catchers
0: make the best managers. What do you think? Well, you see so much, you see so much from the field and you're, you're really, you're kicking in every aspect of the game and, and not just, as you need to you have to fully have a, a sound understanding of everything you need you know every pitcher you know every situation you see where everyone's moving on i feel i mean you are a true general and you're just kind of instead of having that view from behind the plate you're just having it from the dugout yep
1: absolutely let's uh shift let's talk a little bit of ncaa as we had uh Rick, this is going to be such a big story for 2019, and I don't think people are realizing it. The NCAA has voted to allow players to be paid for their names, images, and likenesses beginning in January of 2021. Rick, this is going to cause so many issues inside of the world of collegiate sports. I don't even know where to begin on this because we've had this conversation before. And the the thing that I am so fearing inside of this, obviously, this is not going to be the universities paying the players. This is going to be coming from outside sources, but the way that this is phrased, their names, images, and likenesses. So you mean to tell me that after the game, some booster can go and pay one of these kids $500 for one of their game-worn jerseys? How many players do you suppose are going to end up at, you know, I don't know, Texas, Alabama, USC, Florida? Like, this is going to be a matter of the rich getting even richer inside of the world of collegiate sports, and especially in basketball.
0: Well, you know, absolutely. And here's the bigger issue, as we've talked about in the past, when this— the story started kind of, you know, started making waves and there's still so many questions that, that we don't even, and I'm sure the individuals that have voted on this thing, the reason this thing is set so far out, they've got a hell of a task ahead of them to, to iron out and, you know, dot every I, cross every T, bullet point this thing to actually say what the hell this thing means. But on the surface right now is what we're looking at here. You have, you are opening a can that will take complete control away from these universities. This is this could be ultimately the beginning of the downfall of the NCAA, uh, that the great amateur sporting institute that it is, because what you're going to do now is you hey you just said boosters I mean they're going to well they're going to be in bed with these companies you're handing over control to you know multi-million billionaires corporations that are now going to be dictating who is going to what universities. What their jerseys will look like, what's going on there, what kind of you know advertising are they going to be associated with? You're you're pretty much sure viewer, your mid majors will, will be destroyed. Yeah, like this
1: is going to make the NCAA tournament so much less fun because all of a sudden now that kid that was going to go to Weber State, he's going to end up going to Texas. He's going to end up going to Miami. He's going to go to Florida. He's going to go to Duke. He's going to go to Carolina. Like the- the acc is just going to get even more dominant here
0: well and what you, I mean, it's very comparable to and it but it's going to be on a much wider scale and financially is what you see in a, a an aau program yeah exactly that's, they're bringing aau ball to the collegiate level that's really what's going on here well and it's how it's out, and, you know you basketball's a focal point because we get to know those players so much more um could this be an enticer as well though to keep some students in the game longer? I don't think it's going to to really significantly mean anything because we're going to be down to a few power teams. Uh, you know, it was who was the the he went number two or three in the draft this year. He had the great uh the great run in the tournament. John Moran. Um, but he, Yeah, but he was at what school was he at? Um shoot, what was that? Was he at Memphis, maybe? Now it was somewhere down in there. Sorry that escapes me here, but it's not really all that important, but you're not going to see players going there so that they can get recognition. Now you're going to see these super teams teaming up to make sure that you're getting those ultimate paydays. I just think, I mean, Calipari has got to be loving this.
1: Oh, absolutely. And the same with coach K and, and whatever that jackass's name is at North Carolina. I can't say it right now. Uh, Roy Williams. Um, The other thing that I I can't imagine the NBA is very happy about this either. Uh, Obviously, they have the G League, and the G League finally seemed like it was getting a little bit of steam because of the one-and-dones, right? There was a whole bunch of players that wanted to go straight from high school to the NBA, but that wasn't working, so they had to go to the G League or they had to go play one year of college ball. Well, now if you're telling me that I'm going to make $200,000 a year while I'm in college— I'm not in such a rush to leave Duke. Maybe I'll stick around for at least three years, you know. And
0: the NBA can't be happy about that either. Well, even outside of the the players that you're losing here, let's talk about the financials that they're losing. They they had that complete market there, and that goes for the NFL as well. Uh, now that you've got these big these big money movers and shakers focusing more on what you've got there with with college athletes. That's going to take away from your product as well.
1: The only difference there though is you have to play 3 years in college in order to go to the NFL. They don't they don't have the one and done.
0: Well, it's well, it's it's an age limit.
1: Right. Right. Uh and also in case you were curious because I know that this was going to be a point of contention and I was curious exactly how long it would take before uh, some congressmen Mark Walker, Republican from North Carolina, decided to introduce federal legislation to change the tax code so that we can go after these collegiate players. In case you were curious how long that took, 58 minutes. 58 minutes from the second that the NCAA announced this to the second that Mr. Mark Walker was on the floor proposing a change to the federal tax code to screw the players. I'm just, sometimes I'm amazed at how fast our government can work and i'm often amazed how slow if at
0: all the government works but when it comes to fucking money they got to get theirs we we can't we can't figure out or come to grounds on an effective healthcare system but when it comes to going after some potential you know 18 19 20 year olds that are about to get paid within an hour we've got business already done within an hour just that absolutely blew my mind you know another thing I just talking you were talking about, you know at football, they're gonna have those three years to accumulate funds. Uh, you know, if they come in as a blue chipper and they're and they're starting early, they'll have three years. I mean, what is that going to do to the NFL contracts? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. They, you could be
1: you could, you could be pushing damn near a
0: millionaire before you get drafted.
1: Well, and the, here's the other thing. Let's say you're Trevor Lawrence, right? I could come out after my junior season, but it looks like I'm going to get drafted to Miami. Nope. I'm coming
0: back for my senior year. Make another 200 grand. You know, right. well, I mean, they could clear way, way over 200 grand when you're talking about everything that go in there with merchandising, with appearances, with video games.
1: Yeah, but you know what else is going to be interesting is uh, when all the social justice warriors realize that, you know, guys like Tua and Trevor Lawrence are making, you know, 200, 250 grand. And, you know, the star of the girls track team can't
0: get a freaking sponsorship and they're going to lose their goddamn minds. Well, and it's just you're going to hate. Yeah, we're talking about a very small percentage at the top. Uh, You know, what about the place kicker? What about the guy at the end of Duke's bench that isn't getting anything? Yep. Where, where, you know, just inside of that dynamic, but you're exactly right. You're gonna get these, you know, the the social crats, the snowflakes, just going crazy, bringing Title IX into this issue. What also? What happens if a kid wants to transfer?
1: What if he's already signed an endorsement deal with, you know, Under Armour, and then he's like, oh well, you know, I'm not getting any playing time at Alabama, so I'm gonna transfer to Texas. And suddenly, you know, Under Armour doesn't do any business there. So now you got to deal with contract law too.
0: Well, I mean, it's going to say you know, and that's going to be a, that's, and that's what's going to dictate where you're going. Uh, yeah, I've got this offer from Nike, but oh, Reebok makes this makes this school's uniform. So I, I can't go there. Yeah. So you're going to get in these bidding wars. Corporations are going to be controlling this thing. This is going to be a terrible mess. And this is another reason that I've I've always been against everyone's. Oh, I need to expand these playoffs. I forgot who's the real champ. But, this very core here—it's what's killed me, man. And I, I always like the old way, you know—play out the traditional bowl games. You have so many teams that go home winners at the end. You just have too many that go home Losers, Who cares who the national champion? Is? This is an amateur sport for student athletes. These are not professionals. You don't have to hang your hat and, and ride your soul on what and, you know. Even, you know what the Buckeyes are doing. It's not. It shouldn't be life or death for you. This isn't. These guys aren't out there. This isn't what they're intended to do. To carry on and provide for them, family their families and themselves going forward. This is an amateur sport. Yep. And, and then here, I mean, how far does this go down? You no, know, when when is the next move that you're going to get that blue chipper high school kid from from Muller High School right down here, who's projected? He's the ranked the the number one quarterback in the country, and he's already getting signed up as a sophomore by Nike, and then he's guaranteed that he's can only go to one of these Nike schools in college what about the Wee football player it's you know some freak in basketball it's an eighth grade and he's that he's throwing down from the free throw line you know and reebok grabs him he can only go to these certain schools and the other schools that this is going to hurt is
1: going to be the mid d1s and i'm not talking about the mid-major conferences i'm talking about schools like iowa i'm talking about schools like wisconsin like all of a sudden you know it, you get some some of that homegrown talent. Like, let's say you've got a kid that's going to Solon High School here in Iowa, and he's pretty good. You know, he's not a five-star recruit, but he's, you know, probably a four-star recruit. And there's no question he would go to Iowa. He grew up an Iowa fan. He wants to go to the University of Iowa. But, you know, Florida's offering me more money on that endorsement deal. So I'm going to end up going to Florida. We're gonna see an awful lot of that over the course of the next few years. So this might be one of the last great college football seasons, if you want to call this a great college football season, because all the teams at the top they're just beating each other up. This week we got to see Kansas State take down number five Oklahoma, number nineteen Michigan takes down number eight Notre Dame. Actually, they didn't just take them down; they whipped out the big dick and slapped the Irish across the face with it, forty-five to fourteen. Then we saw number two. LSU take care of business against number nine, Auburn. That game was fantastic, 23 to 20. And that pushes LSU to the number one spot, taking it from Alabama in this week's poll. Huckleberry, what did you think about last week in the world of college football?
0: Uh, You know, a few thoughts here, but number one that jumps out is that last point that you made there, talking about LSU. Absolutely. You know, we've had a conversation week in, week out who is exactly, who really is the best team in college football? And it's it's hard to argue against LSU, and that has been justified as we put that move. But seeing them jump Bama absolutely shocked me.
1: Yeah, because all Bama did was just beat the shit out of whoever they were playing. It was like
0: 56-14, and Bama drops a spot. And of course, you know, and, and the LSU jumps up on them right there. Uh, we're still getting ready for that big showdown. You know it's just a couple of weeks away. They've they've got a, a little bit of time. They've each got buys before that to get ready to hopefully heal up. That we're getting the best from the best here. You and I were talking off air about this, but what what does this really? What impact does this have? Jumping LSU over this thing. Uh, let's say you know if Bama comes back and beats them and, and they reclaim number one, and Bama goes on to win the SEC championship. You got that one loss. LSU team, who was sitting at number one, lost to number two, who is now the number one. I mean, it almost guarantees that they're going to get a spot in that playoff.
1: Yep. And there's a very real situation where both of them could end up one loss teams. Let's take a look at the top 10 here. Basically the teams that are still in this thing, as you mentioned on November 9th, we have LSU and Alabama. That's going to be one versus two, the Ohio state university. in at number three Clemson at four, who started at number one is still undefeated and has fallen all the way to number four. Cause you know, Clemson needs a chip on their shoulder. Penn state, is at number 5 Florida, Oregon, Georgia, Utah and Oklahoma. Rick, the two interesting ones to me in there, number 8 Georgia, number 6 Florida. It's going down this Saturday 3:30 on CBS. There is a very real possibility one of these two teams actually ends up winning the sec with LSU playing Alabama. If Georgia would win this game at Florida, it's very real possibility. Georgia finds their way into that sec championship game. When's the damn
0: thing. Then what do you do? Well, I mean, it could be either case. I mean, you could have Florida is there and go into that championship game. And this is a huge game for both of these schools for either of them to have any kind of shot at the postseason. And you got to believe whoever wins that SEC championship, they have, you know, they stamp their dance card. So this is a playoff game of sorts for these two. It's do or die for them to even have any kind of chance. And you're exactly right. That could throw a huge, a huge wrench into this thing is if, I mean, we're assuming, you know, Bama, LSU, one of them goes on to win this this conference championship game. You could have from that other side of Florida Georgia do this thing. And then everything, everything is thrown into disarray. I still would think then if they would pull an upset there, whoever they beat in that championship game, be it LSU or Bama, they would still get a position in that postseason. Uh, Obviously, there's some other scenarios that could play out that would change that up. But I still think because of the SEC, the respect, the power of the schedules, we're still going to see two schools from there. Uh, So, yeah, that could be the only shakeup there. Uh, I'm fully expecting to see LSU and Bama both in there. Uh, Some other things that really that really jump out here. Obviously, you've got Ohio State and Penn State. They have still they've got a they've got a scheduled date coming up uh, in just under a month. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a huge game changer in the Big Ten. It's I mean it's going to make one of those two the favorite to be a representative in the postseason. And you have but, to
1: assume whoever wins that game is going to represent the Eastern Conference of the Big Ten in the championship game.
0: Yeah. And but here's what gets a little tricky in here. No one's talking about them, and Penn State has them coming up. And it's number 13, Minnesota.
1: Yep. Number 13, Minnesota on November 9th is going to be a huge game for number five, Penn State. Rick, we have given Minnesota no love, and we're not the only ones because the national media has given the Golden Gophers absolutely zero love. They've got a strong schedule going forward that includes not only Penn State, but also Wisconsin and Iowa. So the way the Big Ten is working out right now, it's almost like a round robin tournament just to get to the championship game
0: In my biggest fear there is if minnesota could pull this thing off as you said they've got a hell of a gauntlet to run here to get to the postseason but if they, if they could do this i think that they're not a sexy enough a team they would be left out
1: yeah and that leaves the big 10 out altogether. so then what happens you know, because as you look at the rest of this roster, right, you've got LSU SEC, Bama SEC, you got Florida, Georgia, all SEC teams.
0: Who Who's next to move up? Well, it, it, what I think is what's really scary still here talking about this Big Ten is, you know, I was I was thrilled to see the domers get theirs uh, just because I just don't like how they what they do to the system. That was like the independent me, schedule. I didn't see I, that I love it out of here. But what scares me about that is, is now Michigan's got some swagger, and they're looking to play spoiler right now. They could come in and completely make a mess here of the Big Ten. And they could take some teams, some serious teams out here. I mean, you could have Ohio State beat Penn State, and then Michigan turn around and get Ohio State, and then then whoever wins that thing could be looking on the outside. I think who's really who's really interested and is is looking at how this is going to unfold, and that is the Pack. You know, you're looking at those Western teams, I and mean, we've got two of them right up here, you know. You've got Oregon and Utah. Yep. You know, they're, they're just they're, – they're waiting. You know, they're, they're looking for that opportunity to pounce. And, and you give them a, a little bit of an opening, and you could see the pack back in. NCAA, the committee might want that because it's been a while since we've had a representative from the West.
1: Uh, speaking of Utah, I have them on upset watch this week. Number nine Utah goes into Washington Saturday at four o'clock on Fox. That is not gonna be an easy game for the Utes in any way, shape, or form. Washington's a really, really tough team, especially at home.
0: Absolutely. I mean, but if we're looking at this top ten, I mean, you're playing for your life right now.
1: Yeah, everybody is. It's it's nice to actually see a little bit of competition this late into the season because normally by now we've just come to the conclusion it's going to be Bama versus Clemson
0: in the national championship game, which it still very well could be. Hey, and you know, just because they're flying under the radar, I mean, Clemson's got to take care of their business too. Right? I hope they're not just sitting back looking at these other nine teams and saying, uh-huh, everyone's you know, picking each other up. They're beating beating themselves up. We're just gonna cruise into this thing. You know, I hope they can still find some fire and that they don't slip up because then everything will be yeah, <laughs> everything will care. be I mean wild west.
1: Let's talk a little, little bit of NBA before we jump into the NFL. Uh Rick, it's not on the run, but I gotta start with the Lakers. Um, and more specifically, Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis goes off the other night. 40 points, 20 boards. The Lakers are now three and one. The only loss being to those hated Clippers there at the beginning of the season.
0: Um, is everything fine out in La La Land now? Well, you're, you're seeing them settle in. You know, there was that early panic and all that. I've been telling people left and right. You know, let's let's really get into the NBA conversation uh, around Christmas. Yeah. And that's when we're going to know who these teams are. They're going to be settled in. And that's why they make such a big deal. That's why the NBA has claimed Christmas Day, because that's when you really start turning this thing on.
1: Yep, that's the unofficial start to the season.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is like an extended, it counts, but it's like an extended preseason. And, I mean, over half the league makes the playoffs. So it's okay to go through these early growing pains. But when you get to Christmas Day, that's when you That's when you unwrap the gift of what your team is really is really going to be moving forward here. So, And across the board here, I know there's people freaking out everywhere. People freaking out everywhere. I think the only ones that really have any reason to to freak out are are out there on the West. They are in the state of California, and that would be the Golden State Warriors.
1: Yeah, we'll talk about Golden State here in a second, too. Uh, There's one team out East that unwrapped their present. His name is Kyrie Irving. And now it seems as though there are reports coming out that the Brooklyn Nets might have some buyer's remorse because they're finding out that Kyrie Irving is a fucking lunatic. This dude is all over the board. He doesn't know what in the hell is going on in the real world. Hell, he still thinks that the world is flat, but evidently he is having some severe mood swings, which is the same thing that we heard about him in Boston. It's the same thing that we heard about him in Cleveland. It, Rick, what do you make of this story? Only three, four games into the season.
0: Well, you, you think, and this has been a reoccurring issue with him here, but to see it happen so early because you know, there was concerns in Cleveland until LeBron got there and really took the reins and it became his team. But then even then, you know, he they couldn't coexist. And it came out, you know, a lot of that where people were pointing at LeBron and his ego in a way that he wanted to control and run things. You know, a lot of it came out that, you had a very childish Kyrie Irving in that situation. He goes to Boston. That franchise was never the same since they made that move. I mean, they, they were doing everything in the right direction. They, they make that trade. People are over the top excited, thinking they got one of the premier stars in the league coming in, and everything falls apart. I mean, the franchise has just not been the same. He's going over to New Jersey now or to, to Brooklyn. Everybody's everybody's loving it. You know, they're, they're just waiting for KD to come back. You're going to have a super team in the East. And we've got a lot of basketball left. And now, as you said, there might be some buyer's remorse there. You're starting to see uh, he's starting to throw those temper tantrums, if you will, a little too soon.
1: And no KD in the locker room to kind of neutralize him at this point. This is going to be the Kyrie show all year. It's going to be fascinating to watch this thing develop and see if we ever actually do get to see Batman and Robin on the court together or if this whole thing blows up before KD even gets back. Uh, Another super team kind of in the works right now is James Harden and Russell Westbrook. Uh, Rick, these two are trying to make things work down there in Houston, and it's just not. It's not working in any way, shape or form because there's only one ball. We saw this coming a mile away. Russell Westbrook, I'll actually give a little bit of credit to you because he's one of my least favorite players in the league because all he does is shoot. He's actually passing the ball. He has not shot one three-pointer yet this season. You know, He's just going out there and doing Russell Westbrook things. The problem is James Harden can't do James Harden things when Russell Westbrook is doing Russell Westbrook things because what Harden needs to do is run to a spot on the floor – And shoot, he needs to be Clay Thompson, not Steph Curry. And he can't get that through his damn beard.
0: One of the greatest mysteries to me in life has been individuals who have been married, get divorced, and get remarried. Yeah, it's baffling, isn't it? If it didn't work then, what the hell have you done that changed something that it's going to work now that you guys are going to be in love forever? This is exactly what this situation reminds me of. When you look at dynamic
1: duos, you look for a big guy and a little guy. You look for Shaq and Kobe. You look for Magic and Kareem. It's not very often that two guards can get together and make it work. The exception to the rule, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. Why is that? Because Steph likes to dribble a lot, and Klay runs to a spot on the floor and shoots. He had a 60-point game a couple of years ago. He took 11 dribbles in the entire freaking game. You know, he's a spot shooter And James Harden's a good shooter Just run to a spot on the floor Let
0: Russell Westbrook get you the ball And shoot Yeah, I mean, it's, when you're talking about dynamic duos uh, It doesn't work if you're both trying to be Batman Right Even Scottie Pippen knew his damn role And, and there's a reason um, That outside of the Super Friends Justice League cartoon That Superman and Batman did not like each other
1: Yeah, no, they freaking hated each other I mean, yeah, there there, there was some serious heat between Bruce and Clark Uh, You brought up Golden State Let's talk a little bit about Golden State Was there
0: actual heat between the the alter egos or just the the superheroes?
1: Oh, no, because Bruce figured out who Superman was real quick and in a hurry Because for some reason, nobody else could realize that you know Clark Kent, when he took off his glasses, looked an awful lot like Superman But being the world's greatest detective... Bruce Wayne figured it out pretty damn early on. Uh, Let's talk about Golden State. Uh, Golden State is in absolute shambles. Golden State stinks. Uh, Everybody's just piling on to Golden State. And then last night, Steph Curry goes out and breaks his damn hand. So now we're out of Klay Thompson. We're out of Steph Curry. Kevin Durant is gone to Brooklyn. This is now the Draymond Green show, which is freaking terrifying. Um, Oh, yeah. And they got D'Angelo Russell, too. But, Rick, like, what do we even make out of this Golden State team? Because I don't even, has it come out how long Steph's going to be out?
0: I assume that he's going to be out probably at least, what, nine, ten weeks? That's what you would you would think and somewhere in that time span there. And and heading into last night, I wasn't in panic mode for Golden State because they know how to get things right. I uh, had this now, on the
1: run before Curry got hurt that Golden State was in dismay, and now they're just plain fucked.
0: And I was gonna I was gonna sit here and defend and you know come to you know come to their side that things are gonna be okay. This is a franchise that no matter what has proven they can get things on the right track, but who losing losing both of these individuals right here and as you said now you're turning over the keys to the car to to green
1: yeah and don't I get mean, me wrong i love draymond green but if you're turning over the keys to the car you just gave them to like a sophomore and i mean that in the maturity level uh like draymond green is like a great number two or three but there's no way
0: i want him as my number one well i mean i was going to compare it to like Hiring uh, Dennis Rodman as Your local school bus driver well I mean this Would basically be the equivalent
1: of you know Michael Jordan gets hurt Scotty Pippen gets Hurt and this is now Dennis Rodman's team
0: Absolutely uh, So now yeah and now it's more Of a matter of let's survive um, You know it's gonna it, their schedule isn't Very easy I mean anywhere in the west I mean just That lineup there uh, and I, I think They've got some you know some extended stretches on The road here but it, This is Going to be can we get can we get to December? Can we get to Christmas, as I was talking about? As I said, you know, over half the teams in this league make the playoffs, and it, if we can get to this point, we're still in contention. We're still build, build, build until we can get back. Maybe they go in as a low seed. They go in as a dog, but they've been there. They've done it before. They know how to win. I don't think that there is reason for concern, but it's not the Titanic yet. Okay,
1: but let's say it does go Titanic. Let's say that Golden State goes full on tank mode. What happens if Golden State gets like a top three to five pick? They go out, they get themselves one of the real good players inside of the collegiate draft. Maybe somebody that's, you know, like 6'9", six, 6'10", six, add a little bit of size to that freaking roster. And then next year... You bring back Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and D'Angelo Russell and Draymond Green and whoever else we just picked up in the freaking draft. Here we go again with Golden State. You know, the,
0: you know, one of the crazy things about that is, is if yeah, if you are in that lottery position, when you could have all of that ammunition ready to go and end up with the number one pick. Yeah, it's just absurd. But they're not going to be the number one pick.
1: You know why they're not going to be the number one pick? Because even without all those guys— they're still better than New Orleans. New Orleans stinks. Rick, well, You I have was, the lottery. It doesn't matter. You can have the lottery. I... I, I this... Yeah, you're right. It, it is a lottery system. But the point remains, the Pelicans stink. I... This team should have been better. I mean, th- this team, and I'm going to take more shots at them later, so I might as well start now. This team is the Cleveland Browns of the NBA. They have all this freaking talent on that goddamn team, and they... They just stink. They're freaking awful. I don't understand. Even I I understand, you know, we don't have Zion,
0: but good God, they're turning it over more than the ball's going in the hole. Well, you know, this is an issue. This falls on coaching in itself uh, that you should have had this team be more disciplined. It seems it you're right. And it is very comparable to what we saw in Cleveland in the offseason. All the hype, you know, not so much where, you know, they're going to be in the finals. They're going to, you know, be contending for the West. But it was, hey, this team is going to be fun to watch. They're going to make the playoffs. They're going to make it. They're going to cause a bunch of waves. Teams need to be on a look at. You know, this is the this is the hottest rising team in four years. They're going to be the Gold State Warriors. That's what you kept hearing. Uh, as what we've seen, obviously you lose eye on there, and maybe there was so much hype in that in that build in itself. And then when they lose him, then yes, th- this team has seemed to just a week into this season. They've hit that iceberg. Absolutely, dumpster ready to fire. Come here.
1: Oh, just oh, they're 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 hard to even watch. I'm like trying to watch the Pelicans. Be like, what's wrong with the Pelicans?
0: Everything. Well, I'm sure he's been running his mouth somewhat. It uh, just hasn't been making like major news here. Uh, but just wait till Old Man Ball starts weighing in heavy, heavy on this thing.
1: Oh God, yeah. And you know, it's just a matter of time. Be able uh, I mean, to it's, I mean, you
0: talk there. about down in the uh the big easy the, the the bad the bad mojo and the voodoo Oh, uh, that's man. what it's going to be all about yeah,
1: coming your way it's going to be all ball let's shift to the nfl let's talk a little bit about last week rick uh starting off with the green bay packers packers hand their chiefs their third straight home loss 31 to 24 um there's a lot of people that are praising the green bay packers i'm i don't buy it I look at the elite teams inside of this league right now. I look at San Francisco. I look at New Orleans. I look at the New England Patriots. Green Bay's not even freaking close. You know, I sang the praises of what they did on that defense all offseason, Huckleberry, that that defense was going to carry them to the championship. It's a good thing that Aaron Rodgers figured shit out. In the last few games, they gave up 491 yards to Philly. 563 yards to Dallas, even though a lot of it was in garbage time. 481 to Oakland, and then to Matt Moore in the Kansas City Chiefs, 337 yards. What's going on with this Green Bay defense?
0: No, I think I think the issue here, Jargo, is you're setting your expectations too high. This is an era of Ben don't break" defenses. I thought you're they going... were a nine-win team. How are my expectations too high? <laughs> I, mean, yeah, I mean, it's. That's that's going back to the preseason. You can change your expectations. And then I think when you saw how well they were playing early on, but, you know, offenses are getting into their grooves. They're they're getting to see some film and some holes here. And your defensive style changes where you're trying to stay a little healthier. You're trying to make sure you're not losing a bunch of people, which they're doing pretty well. And again, they're winning. And that is ultimately, you know, what's number one. They are bending, not breaking. And that's what makes great defenses in this era. And as you get closer to later in the season, as you get into the postseason and and make a run towards the Super Bowl, you're going to see them tighten back up again. You're going to see that defense that we were seeing at the beginning of the season. That's what we're going to get from Green Bay. I obviously, you know, I don't think they're in the top four in, in the league when we're ranking the teams, but I still think uh how everything could, you know, you have to look at how the the brackets lay out. They could be a, a very serious favorite to reach the Super Bowl. Aaron
1: Rodgers for MVP. Uh, a lot of people's getting on that bandwagon all of a sudden. He's got 2324 yards so far this season, 16 touchdowns, two interceptions, and some of the most beautiful highlights that you'll ever see. Even though, you know, that pass that he threw sidearm into the end zone for that ridiculous catch there in Kansas City. He even said in the post game that that pass was intended for Jimmy Graham, and he overthrew him by 10 fucking yards. Rick, I don't even think that Aaron Rodgers is the MVP of the Green Bay Packers. I don't even think he's the best Aaron on the team right now. Aaron Jones, 114 rushing attempts so far this season, 466 yards, eight touchdowns. This kid is lighting shit up. I just... I don't buy what's going on with Green Bay right now. Like they're beating a lot of really bad teams. A lot of them at home. I just, I don't
0: buy them yet. Well, I think, you know, that's going to be a a very, a telling tale of this team. And in in the preseason, we talked about that. The front of this schedule was loaded with home games, uh, which was a concern because you want to play at home. If you're Green Bay, you want to play at home late in the year. You don't want to be on the road, but what did they have to do? You can only play who's in front of you. They have been taking care of business. They're separating themselves. They're putting themselves in a position early so that even if they have some trouble on the road late, they're still going to be in that conversation where they're hosting games in the in the postseason.
1: If taking care of business is giving up 481 yards of offense to the Oakland Raiders at Lambeau Field, could be a very, very dark half of the season coming up. Uh, Rick, I wanted to ask you about this one because obviously we're going to talk about Cleveland here in a second. And Freddie Kitchens is certainly got to be, his seat is getting a little bit warm. One of the names that we threw around when that coaching position was open was Mike McCarthy. He's got roots there in Cleveland, he's familiar with the organization is Mike McCarthy's stock up or down at this point with green Bay playing as well as they are underneath of Matt LaFleur?
0: Well, I think, you know, what you're looking at there, the new that, that he had butted heads with Rodgers, So that's your, that's your issue. But those players are the ones that, that McCarthy put in that position. You no, know, that's the, a team that was given to the, the new coach and who was moving them forward. And you were, you know, we had talked about this countless times, you know, what was up, what happened in, in Cleveland. Uh, obviously, I, I've gotten the answer to that now. Um, there was serious conversation. They wanted to bring him in, but there was a little asterisk in there, and it was that he was going to have to to work as the head coach with Freddie Kitchens as his offensive coordinator, and he refused to do it. He wanted to bring in his own staff, and that's what he told management. Uh, I'll just pass on this. So they opted to say, okay, we know we want him as our offensive coordinator, so we're just going to put him into the head coaching position. And it is now; it has become a, a very short leash. Uh, time is running out. Talking to you know the the very you know the old schoolers, Cleveland faithful. Uh, they've grown tired of you know this this revolving door of coaches that it, you're not really getting a sound opportunity. Uh, but they do agree uh, there, there's there's a lot of talent on this team. It's you need to strike. You know why why are the iron's hot and. They don't have time to sit there and and give this guy more and more leeway. They're going to have to do something or they're going to lose this, you know, lose all these superstars and they've got a hell of a lot of holes to fill, especially on that offensive line. Browns
1: go down to new England, 27 to 13 coming off of their bye week And this is what I find alarming about this 13 penalties. And on their first three offensive snaps, they had three turnovers, uh, Rick, you can't do that coming off of a bye week, let alone against Bill Belichick and the Patriots. And and that's entirely on the coaching staff. There's nobody else that you can put that on when it comes to the Browns. The good news for the Cleveland Browns, they're about to get obnoxious, and people are gonna start talking about the Cleveland Browns and, and making this big, huge comeback for the Super Bowl. Because here is the schedule, as this thing lays out, they're gonna win a lot of these games at Broncos. Bills, Steelers, Dolphins, Steelers, Bengals, Cardinals, Ravens, Bengals. There's what? One, maybe two losses in that bunch?
0: Yeah, and, you know, I mean, is, is somebody going to be able to get them to? You know, are they going? You know, There was early in this season, we thought, oh, these are going to be games that they should have, and it went the other way. I mean, are some of these teams that they're favored against going to come bite them in the ass?
1: Well, I mean, the Ravens are going to get them. Uh, I think the Steelers will get them in Pittsburgh. Uh, you should beat the Bengals twice. You'll beat the Cardinals. The Bills is going to be a rough one.
0: Well, you know, like coming up here you know, on the road in Denver is scary. Yeah. I mean, you would think that you would be able to handle it, but on the road is scary. Um, you got Buffalo at home. They're just not playing well at home. Buffalo's greatly overachieving this year. I know they went through a little, you know, they just had a setback, but they're going to be hungry. Uh, Steelers. At, you know, got the Steelers there. You got Steelers twice in three weeks. Uh, luckily, you between those two meetings, you've got Miami,
1: which is basically a bye week,
0: right? Um, yeah, and then you know you could finish strong. You got the Bengals two times in the last month. Uh, you've got the Cardinals, but you don't. You know, you could go out there and easily get lit up. Uh, and that's in that's in the desert. And then you got the Ravens in. there. I mean, it's. I, I, Looking at this, I mean, you might be looking at a 5-6 win T. That's awful.
1: Let's talk a little bit about Bill Belichick. Rick, this Patriots defense is ridiculous, and it, when you look at historical significance, I know they're not playing anybody. They're just beating up the teams that are in front of them, but when you look at the stats, as of right now, this is clearly the greatest defense in NFL history. Oh yeah, Bill Belichick now running the defense. Um, they, they lost their defensive coordinator and Belichick just decided that he was going to take it over. We always heard Belichick was a defensive coach. Uh, holy shit. Like this Patriots defense is ridiculous statistically, but do you buy them as one of the greatest of all time?
0: Well, I mean, just right now, I mean, we're looking, you know, they're, they are producing in, you know, the turnovers, um keeping teams out of the red zone. But you know, looking at total yards, they're they're second best in the league. Only two that surprise, upstarts out there in San Francisco. Uh it's, it's it's amazing when you look at the top teams that were in contention here is it's these top defenses. Yep. Tom
1: Brady gets his seventh 10-game winning streak of his career. 7 times in his career he's won 10 fucking games in a row. That's ridiculous. And in large part due to the fact that the AFC East has stunk for the better part of 20 years. The AFC North so far this season, Rick, nine and nineteen overall. That's their freaking record. Nine and nineteen. Not to be outdone, the NFC East at eleven and twenty by comparison. NFC West 21, 9 and 1. East is just not doing very much this year. Let's talk about Cincinnati as you're sitting there wearing a Cincinnati hat. Andy Dalton, the era has come to an end in Cincinnati. Uh, Rick, I think we all kind of knew this was coming. It seemed like this was going to be the end of Andy Dalton in Cincinnati this season. I guess my question is, why in the fuck did they not trade A.J. Green if they were going to bench Andy Dalton on the same day as the NFL trade deadline? Like, what are they doing out there?
0: There, there's There's a lot of issues to look into look into this thing. Uh, before we get into to AJ Green, I, and I've got a few takes on that I'd like to share with everyone, but I'd like to talk about Andy Dalton, especially here, you know, as we're recording, I am here in the five one three in Hamilton County, Cincinnati, Ohio, in this fan base. I mean, they are all over it. And I just I kind of step back and I wonder if these individuals even realize what the hell they're talking about. Do they realize what this team and what this situation is all about? I understand when when you're under centered, you're the one taking the snaps. You're in that all-important position of QB. The spotlight is on you. You're going to get the heat when things are not going right. Uh, My immediate response when when this announcement was made, by the way, this was also made on Andy Dalton's birthday. I know. How harsh, right? Uh, Actually, I don't think it's harsh at all because, you know, the first thing that I pointed out here, it it was probably the perfect birthday gift because – all this is going to prove, sending Annie Dalton to the bench, it's going to shut everyone up when they realize that it wasn't a Dalton problem. It isn't number 14. It's a Cincinnati Bengals problem from the very top of this organization down to your backup positions. This team is complete garbage. Uh, and I I will, a little asterisk on that, special teams is all right. Kicking game has been great. Outside of that, this team is complete. Garbage. That offensive line is the worst in the league. Absolute joke. Uh, the secondary is the poster town for Swiss cheese. There is holes everywhere. I, you and me could go out and get open against the professionals, so-called professionals they have in that backfield. Some of the stats here. Now that we've benched Andy Dalton, we have we have no one on that field that has scored a rushing touchdown this season. We have three rushing touchdowns, and they came from Andy Dalton. Our running backs have not seen the end zone on a traditional running call all season long. How absolutely pathetic is that? Going back a couple weeks ago, we had 33 yards of rushing in a game. Andy Dalton had 17. <laughs> he's doing everything that he absolutely can to hold this thing together. And he talked about the interceptions, the bad throws, and he's holding them. There's no one open. These receivers can't get open. And that's when he has time to even look around. and Look at the sacks. Pittsburgh put him on his on his ass eight times in that game, and he's still taking the heat. We got Lyman speaking up; they're throwing fits in the locker room. You're the problem. And in all your all these fans that are knocking Andy right now, they're going to find out in two weeks because they're on a bye week this week. Uh, you know, hashtag We can't lose Sunday. If, you know, at least that's some positive news around here. But they're going to find out that this isn't an Andy Dalton issue. This is just a terrible Cincinnati Bengals team so I am feeling fine about 0 and 9 but I am terrified that them damn dolphins might ruin my dreams for the Ofer Bowl the toilet bowl December 22nd because they got the jets coming down this week and they and they might just be believing that they can do this but but I'm hoping I'm hoping that they realize what's on what's on the line here what's at stake here for the Ofer Bowl and they dolphin up and blow this game so why not trade AJ green but what what was the point of keeping AJ green well, you got to think, you know, and everybody says this. Why didn't we trade so and so? Why didn't you move so and so? It takes two to tango. You got to have somebody that's going to that wants him and is going to offer something that you find suitable in return. My okay, guess okay. Is,
1: but the Patriots go out and went. They went and got Muhammad Sanu, right? And they gave up like a first and third for him. He wouldn't have taken that for AJ Green.
0: We don't know that was on the table. You don't know what was offered because you I can't believe the, that the
1: Patriots would go after Muhammad Sanu before they would go after AJ Green.
0: Maybe it was a different offer at that point. You're dealing with a 31-year-old with – now he's got a track record of huge injuries. You don't know what – what is he going to contribute this year? What of how effective is he going to be? On the flip side of it, I think the Bengals are thinking if we can get him back for a little bit, let him shine, it's going to grow his worth and value in this offseason where they're talking about, you know, you're probably going to have Andy out there on on the trading block if you can also deal out green – and stockpile a bunch of the you know draft picks, get some money in exchange, something like that, and really start bringing in some players that are going to settle in to this new system that they got. Oh, you know we've got two incredible tight ends, but this system doesn't call for tight ends. You know you've seen we're looking at the Ram system. That system works. The system works when you got talent. Unfortunately, we got the Cincinnati Bengals.
1: Yeah. That, that, that is kind of true. Uh, so let's talk about the quarterback conundrum there in Cincinnati. Obviously, you guys are going into full rebuild mode now with the benching of Dalton. So when I look at what's going on inside of the league, and especially inside of the AFC, right now the guys that are lighting it up are named Mahomes, Watson, and Lamar Jackson. It's no longer Tom Brady and Big Ben and Phillip Rivers. Rick, which style of quarterback do you want to see Cincinnati go after here? Like do do you want a guy like Tua or are you going to hold out for somebody like a Trevor Lawrence? Do you go and do you get somebody like a Flacco to come in for a couple of years and just kind of be a band-aid? Where do the Bengals go from here?
0: Well, and this is, you know, really it's about a direction and a system. And I think what you really look at, you got Tua down there, He's the hot topic. That's what everyone's talking about. Who's tanking, trying to get him? Where is he going to be heading? I think there'll be an absolute terrible fit for this system in Cincinnati. Now, you're wanting someone that's going to mirror what you got with, with golf out there in, in L.A. You, you want somebody that can stand in, that's big. He's got a nice frame with a strong arm and he's durable. we talked about this yesterday as we were kind of prepping for what we were going to do here today. That's great. You know, the the flash, the flare. all that is, is it's these fancy mobile running backs here. But what do we regularly see from them? You see one or two years of great great production, and then they get dropped because they're easy to find out. And their bodies, I mean, this this is a game of high impact. Every hit is a car crash. Who are the ones that have been doing it for a decade? The Ben's, the Tom's. Uh, the Flacco, you know, those guys have been in there. The uh, the Philip Rivers, they've been doing it for ten plus years, and we see success. To Aaron Rodgers, you know, they're not the overnight flash in the pan that just is the the over the top fun offense that they like that the league likes to try and sell.
1: Well, yeah, but Aaron Rodgers is probably the biggest improviser in the league, not named Lamar Jackson at this point, too.
0: I mean. Yeah, I, I understand that. But, you know, it's not every week that we're getting all of this. I mean, look at the speed. He's just all over the place. You know, he's he's durable. He's reliable. He understands the game and relies on his arm and his smarts first.
1: Well, here's a guy who doesn't rely on either one of those. Let's talk a little bit about Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, Rick, Mitchell Trubisky is still the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears. I don't know why. 63.7% completion percentage, 36 touchdowns, 22 interceptions. His QBR, which is basically a scale of 0 to 100, is 35.7. Can we be done with Mitchell Trubisky in Chicago?
0: I like how you. this is all coming full circle. I think they're, uh, they might make a change somewhere in this season, but I think you're going to see starting for the Chicago Bears next season, number 14, Andy Dalton.
1: Well, there's a couple of guys out there because, I mean, obviously Eli Manning is going to be, if he's going to continue to play, it's going to be somewhere other than the New York football Giants. There's Teddy Two Gloves, who is quite familiar with the NFC North. I don't know why the Bears didn't go get him from the Saints with Drew Brees coming back and punching the Arizona Cardinals in the mouth this week. You've got Cam Newton, who is Cam Newton, I guess. You you got Nick Foles down in Jacksonville who's dealing with an injury, but I highly doubt that he's going to get that job back with the way that Minshew has taken over. Or do they turn to the draft and draft somebody like Nate Stanley out of the University of Iowa, which sounds absolutely ridiculous, but he's rated in the top 10 quarterbacks inside of the NFL, and it seems like a total Bears thing to do to take Nate Stanley. You know what, actually? I want them to take Nate Stanley. I want Nate Stanley to To be the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears for the next fucking 25 years, man. I hope this happens because Green Bay will eat that motherfucker
0: up. What in the hell do you do with Chicago? Well, I think you're going to see, you know, they're going to be looking to the draft, but not for someone to come in and make an immediate impact. You're going to see, as you ran ran off some of those names, you're going to see someone come in. That's kind of, you know, the whole deposition in place. And that's why I think Andy Dalton becomes a perfect fit in that situation. Come in and give you two years so you can groom somebody to have them ready to really take the keys to the kingdom. Is
1: Teddy Bridgewater going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL next year.
0: Uh, he's going to get some looks. He's going to get some interest. Uh, but again, you know, it's one of those things where it looks great for a little while. But what's the shelf life? Yeah.
1: Uh, let's talk a little bit about these games this week. Uh, this is a pretty down week for the NFL. Not a whole lot of, like, really marquee, sexy games. There's only a couple. Uh, 49ers at Cardinals. That's the Thursday night game. That's San Francisco plus 10. Texans at Jaguars. That's a London game. Houston favored by one and a half. But, Rick, they lost J.J. Watt for the season. They traded Jadavian Clowney to Seattle. I don't buy Houston anymore. I thought they were a team that, like, I... Actually thought they could beat the New England Patriots this year. Not now.
0: Yeah, a, a little bit of trouble there for him. Actually surprised that they actually are going to do that London game at 9 30 in the morning. I thought they were getting away with that because of the ratings killer that it had ended up being. You know, we've seen a glass over the last couple of years the ratings dip, and it was in large part because no one was watching these London games. Uh, you know, just here on the East Coast at 9 30, no one was getting up and in seattle msg if you like football wasn't getting up at 6 30 to watch a game but yeah you're absolutely right uh and this could be a big swing and a statement game for jacksonville
1: yeah, absolutely. That that South is wide open. Minnesota at Kansas City. There is still not a Vegas line for this show because, at least the last I knew, it was still uncertain if Patrick Mahomes was going to play or not. So there's absolutely no lines available inside of uh, Vegas currently. Jets at Dolphins. We talked about that one a little bit. Jets by three favored going into Miami, which uh, I don't know, man. If I was a betting man... I kind of like the Dolphins in that game. Browns at Broncos. They've got Browns by three and a half in Vegas. That one's uh, that one's pretty interesting. Pats and Ravens. New England by three and a half. Rick, all my money this week goes on the Baltimore Ravens. I Belichick has problems with running quarterbacks. I, I think Lamar Jackson is going to get them. I think the Pats go down this
0: week in Baltimore. Uh, there's a couple of things here that, I, that would lead me in a different direction. Uh, I think just that, that you made that statement. Uh, I think Belichick really is going to want this thing. He's going to want to make You think a he's going to listen
1: to H- HTM sports and be like, fuck Jargo.
0: Oh yeah. He texts me all the time and says that every week he t- I get a message from, uh, well, it's an undisclosed number in that area. I just assume it's him. Is that, uh, is that
1: what on to Cincinnati meant? But was that code for him going to hang out with RBV?
0: Mm-hmm. Makes yeah, sense. Absolutely. Uh, but you know, he's gonna want this game and he's gonna want to prove that and it's it's a feature game. It's under the bright lights. And they're gonna they're gonna take care of they're gonna make a statement to a team that is gonna wanna be a contender, but be shown they're a pretender early in this in, in midway in this season as we look towards the postseason. I'm like in New England in this one.
1: To wrap things up this week, Green Bay at the Los Angeles Chargers. Rick, Vegas has this three and a half for Green Bay. Isn't this a Packers home game? Like we have seen how the Chargers draw in Los Angeles. I mean, they had like 20,000 Steelers fans out there. Green Bay is probably the most diehard fan base throughout the country. There's fans of the Green Bay Packers everywhere. There's going to be more Packers fans than Chargers fans in that stadium. Why are the Packers only favored by three-and-a-half over Phillip Rivers and the Los Angeles Chargers, who once again are just – they're the best really bad team in the league. I just, I don't understand how this happens every year with the Chargers.
0: First of all, that's a great debate. Uh, the, the most popular team, where you see the fans. I think it's it's hard to – to take that title away from, from the Schittsburg Steeler fans.
1: Well, I mean, it's, it's Green I mean, it's Bay, it's Pittsburgh. And Dallas.
0: Uh, yeah, but like you said, though, I mean, we saw Schittsburg West. Now we're going to have Cheesehead West. West. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see the dynamic in here. I mean, hopefully they just, they don't start playing the Green Bay fight song as we heard, you know, some of the circulation there with the, with the when the Steelers were in town, but they've got to do something with this franchise and, and then, you know, playing in the soccer stadium, they're, I mean, they're handcuffed. I mean, just because of the capacity, they're the lowest drawing team. They gotta what's that gonna mean now when they get into this bigger stadium? Are we gonna be sitting with half empty? Uh they made a mistake moving two teams there. And you just gotta feel for that, you know, that franchise and those players to be under kind of those circumstances. But yeah, I I think it was more of a sway. Hey, they are at home. This is a very good football team. They just haven't been on the click right now. And maybe, say, you know, it's, hey, you were sitting here blasting your own boys. You know, maybe Vegas is seeing some of that. They don't think that defense is going to be able to keep up with that strong arm of Phillip Rivers. There is a
1: certain type of quarterback that gives the Green Bay Packers absolute fits. That quarterback is not Phillip Rivers. I think Green Bay wins this thing by three touchdowns going away. I don't even think it's close. All right, so let's throw it over to the Stone Cold Locks. Hit me with it, Steve. Give me a hell, yeah! Huckleberry, I didn't even think to make picks this week. I didn't even think about it. So I guess I, I, guess I got to go. I'm going to go with the Baltimore Ravens. I like the Ravens over the New England Patriots. I can't believe I'm saying that. And I know I'm never going to pick them again. So I'm going to take the Miami Dolphins over the New York Football Jets this week. Who you got?
0: All right, I know. Uh, you know what? I'm... I'm taking the home teams that are dogs in their own backyards. And I'm going to start there at mile high. I'm going to take Denver over the Cleveland Browns. Who are wow. Be hey, I'm looking at it here. When are, I need to get them off my board, right? Yeah. I don't know when that's going to come up again. So I'm going to take them over the Browns here. And then we're going to go head-to-head, buddy, because I believe they can do it. They can swim deep down, deep down at the bottom of the ocean. And they can pull out a big L for me. I'm going to take the Jets on the road over the Dolphins because the Dolphins have got to keep the dream alive. They got to keep this thing going.
1: As far as the Vegas lock of the week, Green Bay going to cover the shit out of that three and a half. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening, and if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then visit the entire HTM Podcast Network online, hittingthemarks.com. Search Hitting the Marks on your favorite podcast listening device. Find hackerhameen.podbean.com for all of the latest from Hameen Media. You can find me across all social media platforms, at notjargo, rbv. how do the peeps, the freaks, and the geeks...
0: Find you. Well, before I, you know, I, I get to myself, and we can keep up with me. One more little stat is as we say goodbye to to old Red here in Cincinnati, Andy Dalton, the first quarterback in nearly 70 years that has gone eight and zero and zero and eight in seasons. Another another memory there of, of of old Red as he is dead in the five one three in Cincinnati. You can keep up with me, Rick Vickery, across all social media. F the real RBVs.
1: We'll be talking to you later on this weekend for the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. Huckleberry's going to tell me all about Crown Jewel because you can bet I didn't watch none of that Saudi bullshit. We'll talk to you later on this weekend for now. We're off like a prom dress. See ya! Making history in Saudi.